say amen. amen. I want to make this declaration with you while every person is standing. Come on, if you're not standing, please do me a favor and just stand to your feet. Glory be to God because there's something that I believe that helps me overcome offenses every single day of my life when the enemy tries to attack me. I let him know 1 John 4, 4. Somebody say amen. I want you to say amen a little louder. And put your hand on your spirit right here and say this with me. Say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Great, now say it like you mean it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now let the devil hear you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Go ahead, relax, have a seat. You know, I just, I, I, I have 20 minutes at 720 and I just want, I'm, I'm never gonna get to finish this message, but I may just jump right to the meat of it. But I want to tell you, Solomon and I were driving around today. We talked to a local ministry, and we saw this big, magnificent building. And he gave me a story and a song, and it hit me today while I was in the building walking that the church is empty. And if the church is empty, then heaven must not be that full. It hit me. We know that scripture says that there's more with us than there are with them. In reality, how many vacancies are actually in heaven or how many vacancies are in hell right now? Who has the most? If the churches are empty, where are the souls? Where are the people? We've been given a precious gift. We've been compelled to move with compassion in the earth because we have been revealed the secrets of the Most High God. And that secret is that Christ lives on the inside. Heaven has come nigh. We've been imparted the mystery, the greatness of the kingdom of the living God. We carry a mantle, we carry a treasure of faith that lives on the inside of us. My God, I've been weeping all day long. I drove by a two million almost dollar church and it was vacant. So what does heaven look like? The scripture said he goes and he prepares a place for us. My God, is there a vacancy sign flashing all over heaven? As soon as I got saved, I got saved under this tutelage, under this mantle, under this ministry, at a funeral. And I'm going to tell you, I went to that funeral one way, but I left another. And I tell the story all over this world. This little slick head preacher named Gordon Butch LeBeau III. I had to throw that in there. Wow! He carried something. The spirit of truth. And I walked in a jerk, blind, angry, a chip on my shoulder. And I was looking at a steel box and knew that there was an end to my reality. And I had to be opened up to the Spirit. I had to become who I'm supposed to be. And that's a devil duster and a dead man razor. Man, I walked into that funeral. You know, it's like shooting fish in the barrel, man. I've been preaching funerals ever since. I'm going to get it together here in a second. I'm going to tell you, 
that day my spirit was totally transformed. I became a new creation, a new creature. The old things had passed away and everything had become new. But I'm going to tell you, I was still in the torment of my mind. My mind, my will, and my emotion had not yet transferred to what my spirit. So there's a war that's been going on the inside. I'm telling you that your spirit is saved. And God will take the people instantly. But we're going to have to raise them as shepherd to bring them to work the harvest fields of God. <laughs> Woo, Prophet Sister Busby is in the house. This thing is real. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the unrighteous man, my God, I had two buckets of unrighteousness. If you could mark a sinner, you'd have marked me twice. I did everything wrong. I didn't know that there was a Holy Ghost. I was raised up, and I'm not beating up Catholic. I was raised in a Catholic church. I had bruises on my knees and a pain in my back. Nobody told me 1 John 4.4. 4. Nobody cried out to me that God came down from heaven. Eternity came in the time. The word of God left his mouth. He became a man in the form of sinful flesh and he nailed himself to the cross for my purpose and my kingdom reality. And he set a hope before me. But I was blinded by the cares of this world. I had no idea what the lust of the flesh was. The lust of the eyes, oh my God, how hard is that to break? The pride of life, what's in your heart, the chip on your shoulder, and your bank account will mess up your thinking. When you broke, it hurts. When you're rich and you don't act right, you don't have the spirit of truth living on the inside of you, it will make you wayward. You'll be a son, but you won't walk in spirit and you won't walk in truth. I'm here to tell you, God is ready for you to walk in spirit and in truth. Whom the Lord has set free is free indeed. Your divine purpose, he testifies in Ephesians that you were created. Wow. That ought to make you smile right there. To do good works in Christ Jesus before the foundations of the earth called you by name with a divine purpose. You were called when your mom and daddy were intimate and on the night that you were conceived, there was 80,000 possibilities of who you were. There were 80,000 other possibilities that could have been chosen in that hour, but he called prophets such and such, kingdom, king such and such, come on, priest such and such, plumbers, whatever you were called, he called you by name. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Jeremiah, and this blows my mind, That God knows me? Like, he didn't say like we hung out. He said I was consecrated in the spirit, in God, in the mouth of God, and I was released for a time such as this. For what? To fulfill my purpose. And my purpose is to seek and save that which lost and do the work of the evangelist. Yes, to be a father. 
to be a mother, to be a friend, to be a counselor, to be a brother, not to be a liar, a thief, and a cheat because the enemy had groomed me. I was beautiful. Talk the socks off a rooster. Selling Eskimo a bucket of ice, man. That dude got two sleighs in his driveway with a 454 in the back of two, both of them. Y'all get that. I just want to tell you who the sun sets free. Somebody say, I'm free. Second Timothy 4, 5. But you, say me, be sober. You can't be sober if you have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the mind, or the lust of the eyes. Unless you can only be sober if you have the mind of God. But you be sober. Second Timothy 4, 5. Can you throw that up there for me? Man, I wanted to piggyback off of his scripture. I might go back to Luke 10, so brother, keep your fingers hot. But, man, I feel like I'm at home. Am I at home? Let's get a lot of praise. Hallelujah. Man, my, mine don't say that. Bro, you got the wrong translation up there. We go with that. Mine says be sober. That's okay. I think I got the KJV or the uh, NASB. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Everybody read the last part with me. Do the work of the evangelist. What is the... Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm preaching. Okay. <laughs> After the comma, what does it say? Fulfill your ministry. What was Jesus' ministry? He came to seek and save that which is lost. He was filled with the Holy Ghost and with purpose and with power from on high. He went out doing what? Healing all who were sick and delivering all who were oppressed of the devil. For what? Who was with him? God was with him and he is with you. He never forsakes you. He never leaves you. God will never depart from you. And when you don't know what to say, Romans 8, 26 says the Spirit itself, himself, himself helps us. In our time, the Bible says infirmity, but it doesn't mean sickness. It means weakness. When you don't know what to say, God will fill your mouth before you stand before kings and magistrates, before governors and parliament. The God, the Spirit of God will flow through you like a mighty rushing river. Glory be to God. Fear not. He's overcome the world. Fear no man because they don't have the power to put you in hell. Only God has the power. Somebody get, somebody get happy up in here. Sure. I just pulled that right out of Kevin Ray's book. Y'all heard that? Sure. <laughs> The test is your testimony. If you hadn't passed the test, you don't have a testimony. You can't testify on the truth if you don't know the truth. If you're caught up in bondage and drugs and alcohol, you just fronting on Front Street. Come on, you don't know the King of Glory. I've been teaching my boy Solomon all day how to say fitty. He don't know. Fitty. You'll get it tomorrow. <laughs> Front street means that you carry a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. You look like God on the outside, but on the inside you're a white washroom. How can you cry out for souls when your soul needs to be saved? How can
can you do the work of the evangelist if your own mind and your own house is in turmoil? But I'm telling you, the Bible says that there's no greater love than a man laid down his life for another glory. The Bible says one would hardly die for a righteous man. Much less an unrighteous man. If you want to seek ye the kingdom first and his righteousness, which is his son, the things that will be added unto you is the opportunity to lead souls to the kingdom of almighty God. The things that you accumulate in his work, I know I accumulated them. I was a broke boy from the wrong side of the tracks. You know. I lived at 12366 Warfield Drive, man. Little Saigon. Uh, 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 it's called a, it's a, anybody know what a duplex even is? A one-step walkthrough? But God had a different plan. I stood before a courtroom. The two guys in front of me got 25 to life. Where was my life? Where was I going? Where was I heading? The enemy has a plan for your life. And he has a plan for those who don't know God in spirit and in truth. They don't know the love of God. They don't know the Holy Spirit. They don't know the Holy Scripture. That's why you have to stand in Christ's deed and go into all the world and preach the gospel. They don't know the Holy Ghost. They don't know what purpose and empowerment and seven keys to salvation. They don't know where is the whiskey bottle and who can I call on my phone. It's 2 a.m. They don't live. They don't live the life of a believer. They don't walk under the mantle of the Holy Ghost. They're not empowered from on high. They don't cast out devils, lay hands on the sick and prophesy. They don't walk on water. Hallelujah. We've been separated for this work in this time. It's so late on God's calendar. Please don't say to yourself that there's four months to the harvest. I tell you that the harvest is white and it's right and it's ready. And if it lays on the ground, it's going to rot. And the enemy's going to come and say, okay, baby, I'll take you. My mother died when I was 18 years old. I watched her take a last breath in the hospital. Anger filled every vessel of my being. I never got along with my mother. I did everything wrong on purpose, and then I did it again. I was angry. I didn't know how to confess who I was. I, I lived in turmoil. The only thing that I did right is I went to a funeral. And somebody spoke against what their eyes saw. Everybody came there to bury someone, but there was a man sent by God to, come to bring the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of his salvation. And we've led souls to Jesus all over the world. Glory be to God. Woo! Somebody say amen. Greater is he that is in me. Man, if you don't say it like you said, I'm leaving. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. Glory be to God. I don't know whose water it is, but it's mine now. Woo, I think my time is up. Are you sure, Pastor? I don't, I don't want to get out of order. Hey, 
saying, when he spoke it, it's just as it's written. Amen. Test. Your testimony will bring an unbeliever into the kingdom. You carry the message of hope. The Bible says in John 20, 23, whatever sin ye shall remit, it shall be remitted. And basically what he's saying is if you will testify to the truth, the measure of faith, according to Romans chapter 12, that that person was born with, I don't believe the word atheist. Because I ask every atheist that's on the planet, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the resurrection. I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. I said, well, what do you believe in? Anything that I can touch or, 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 or um, anything that I can touch that will be a physical reality. I said, well, explain love to me. Do you love your children? You can't see it. It's an emotion. It affects your entire being, your entire understanding. It affects your witness, your life, how you operate, how you communicate, the power of love. But what has happened, they've converted lust into love into lust, and they don't understand. That's the blindness. That's the power of deception. So I ask you, do you love your wife? Yeah. Do you love your children? Yes. Well, let me ask you a question, sir. Because 1 John 4 says God is love. Where does love come from? And so I tell, the, I tell him, I said, look, you're all, I'm, I'm not mad at you, sir. <laughs> That's a little joke between Solomon and I. But if you will seek and find the root of love, and when you find him, you'll find the person of Jesus. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You know the story, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus came and told the disciples, I've been given authority and power in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. My God, make brothers, make friends, make countrymen. Fellowship, hang out, man. But if they go smoke a joint, don't go with them. <laughs> don't go back in the ballroom that you were delivered from. You're not ready yet. Your pastor will let you know when you're ready, and he'll bring a team to evangelize that place. Make a brother, make a friend, make a convert. Spend time. Don't be holy, man, because they ain't going to feel you. Get on their level so they can understand. You speak their language because that's why you're with them. They can, you, you form together. You're a kindred spirit, but yours is safe, and you're going to bring them up. They're not going to pull you down. Somebody says, amen. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach the things that I have taught you, and that all that command I have given to you. Obey all the commands I have given to you, and be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We know that. But I want to shift a little bit right here. And then I want to wrap it up and give my brother Solomon, who flew from Cape Town, South Africa, to be here. Come on. Let's give my brother a hand clap. This boy, this brother got more miles than Hertz rent a car. Amen. <laughs> Matthew, verse 7. Man, I'm happy. Is anybody having fun? Okay. Matthew 10, verses 7 through 10. Can you put that up? That ain't it. Matthew 10, Matthias Diaz. Matthias. Matthew 10, my brother, 7 through 10. Let me tell you what mine says. Mine's better. In Matthew, <laughs> Woo, I, 
filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, Jesus. The, he's in, in, in Matthew 10, 7 through 10, it says, Go announce to them that the kingdom of God is at hand. Go tell them, yes, I like this better. Go announce that the kingdom, proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. Number eight, my brother. And as you go, somebody say as you go. Preach. Go back to seven. Mess him up just a little bit. As you go, everybody. No. As you go, everybody. Preach. Say the kingdom of God is at hand. Now here's where some of us get a little squeamish. It just ain't a McDonald's lunch. The kingdom of God is where? Where is that at? Where? Well, he's here. But the word is where? The word is nigh thee. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. He's in our, uh-uh. He's in our mouth and in our hearts. Hallelujah. If we confess under this mountain, if we say under this issue, if we proclaim a thing, it shall be done, right? If we preach the kingdom of God is at hand, this is our job. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. I'm going to tell you, we don't put a price on the kingdom of God because it's invaluable. A a, a labor is worthy of his hire, and if this is what you do, whatever you sow, you also shall reap. Amen? And if you reap souls for the kingdom, hallelujah, how blessed is your family. Glory be to God. Galatians 6, 7 says, if you sow to the spirit, you reap things from the spirit, but if you sow things unto the flesh, you reap things of the flesh. Let me get out of here so Solomon can come and get here. I'm going to preach the rest later. Look, real quick, I'm going to throw this at you. Can you write this down? Let me wrap it up because I want Solomon to come in. I don't want to take up all the time. I don't want to be disrespectful. Okay. He preached the Matthew 10, 16. I'm sending you out as sheep among the wolves. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. That was some of my message. I said, that dude's preaching my message. Check him out. Okay. Here's what you need. Seven quick keys. And I'm going to take five minutes and we're going to wrap it up. Somebody say amen. First thing I want you to write down. Ask God to give you an evangelistic burden for souls. Ask him to help you see the world as he sees it and to lay upon your heart a handful of people from whom you can earnestly pray and then pray over those names every day. Keep a little prayer list and pray for an opportunity of reaching these souls for Christ. And an, uh, Okay, amen. We got that, right? Okay, because I, I want to I get out of here because I want to give him time. Okay. Number two. I cut half my mouth. <laughs> Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Live a consistent Christian life before these people. You want to testify? I'm going to tell you how to do it. Man, I'm, I didn't fail this so many times, but here's what God is telling me. Love your wife like Jesus loved the church, man. Lay it down. It, 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 failure, I got so many Fs, and every now and then I get an attaboy, and that's why I've been married for 28 years on them couple of attaboys. Love your neighbors yourself. Come on. If you saved and your neighbor ain't, oh, why are you going to answer for that? And I got to go back to, if only 6% of the population of the world is saved, that's 42, what, million, billion? 307 billion on the planet, so... uh, 6%, 6%, 40, 420 million people actually know Jesus. 
12,000 people die. 7,500 people die every day. 12,000 people are born every day. What? Hello, somebody do some arithmetic. This is a burden that you need to carry, and we need to get this planet saved for Jesus. This is a physical, I don't mean to bring you down, but this is a spiritual reality. If only 42 million or so people, or for, even let's just say 50 million people are saved, where are the rest? Where are the rest of the people? Are we actually plundering hell and populating heaven? Or are we populating hell and plundering heaven? Where are we? Ministers, brothers, sisters, evangelists, lay people, those with a desire to seek and save that which Lord, I implore you to cry out to God for souls in this hour. I'm not going to rush this. We can finish this at another time. Let's see my plug. It's okay. I don't, that's not funny. No, no. It's okay. Let's stay serious. Let's stay serious. Right here. Right here. This is serious, man. It's game time. We in the fourth quarter. We in the last of the last days. Let's just tell the truth. The harvest is so plentiful. Put up out the Luke 10 too, please, sir. And God is asking you to do your part. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send more laborers into his harvest because the souls are dying. There may be more army with us and the power of the Spirit, but my calculation said that there's more in hell than there is in heaven. Seek and save that which is lost. Do the work of the evangelist. Cry unto God for souls. Live a godly life. We got to get serious. We got to come out of this thing, this, 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 this meandering walk that we're walking around. We've got to get serious for the kingdom of God is at hand and judgment is coming. There's been a river of blood pouring through our nation through abortion and recklessness. Those are souls that are lost for the kingdom and the one that lives, lives in torment. That's why we fight that bill. That's why we fight for life. This is real. The law of supply and demand is working here. The harvest is great, but the labors are few. It's backwards. If you sell houses and you've got 50 of them and there's only one buyer, it's backwards. You want it the other way around. The harvest is so great. Where are the soldiers of the living God? They're sitting on their laurels. Forsake your life. Die to yourself. Get a hold of the mandate of God and do the work of the evangelist. I love you in the name. Amen. My, uh, my friend is coming. I've been knowing him for four years. I met him at a, a donut place. No, we weren't eating donuts. It was after hours. It's called the Heavenly Donut, no pun intended. If I tell you the truth, my wife and I were in the meeting and he shook me. To my, I had a second Damascus, road to Damascus. The first one I had was Butch LeBeau and the second one I had was Dr. Apostle Solomon Kipke. 
who shook me that day. And he invaded my life because I was dying. I was dying in self. I was dying in sin. My ministry had folded up. Everything had died. Everything that I had worked for in the nation, everywhere I've gone, would die. And God told him to call me. And he probably saved me from some pretty massive mistakes. And yes, I've had great fathers, and I do have great fathers in this house who bless me and mentor me and love me. And the phone is wrong. And I've called Butch at 5 a.m. so many times I can't even begin to tell you. But D.L. Moody was in a meeting one day. And somebody preached the gospel. No big reaction. And he shaped the landscape of the planet. His name is known worldwide. You don't know who you impact him when you impact them. You don't know the outcome. Every soul counts and every soul matters. Every person matters. And so I thank you, my brother, for listening to God. Pastor, I love and thank you. Miss Sue, all of you guys, I love you. And I thank God for you. Would you please welcome my brother, my friend, my mentor, Dr. Apostle Solomon Kepke. Put our hands together Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. It's my honor and privilege to be with you tonight. Thank you, uh, Pastor Butch and Pastor Susan, for the opportunity to be with you. Uh, as Micah said, I've known him for four years. And by extension, um, being connected with this church wherever we go, um, who he is is an outflow of what God has deposited inside of his life because of the impact that you've had. And I have the privilege to co-labor with Mike um, on many, many harvest fields of the world. And um, he, without fail, shares the testimony of the funeral encounter that he had that totally transformed his life and shaped him. Um, and, and God pointed him in the direct, right direction. So. So we honor you as a man of God. Can we put our hands together for, for a man who stays the course? Many times you only see him behind a pulpit. You see your pastors behind a pulpit and in a setting like this. But you do not understand um, what it takes for them to stay the course. I'm sure they had many opportunities to exit. Um, but it's a choice. Take putting your hand to the plow and staying the course and saying that I am in this for the long haul and I will run the race and I will finish the course and I will fight the good fight of faith until Jesus calls me home. And so we salute generals of the faith. I have great respect uh, for men and women of God um, who are seasoned and have, have really stayed the course in serving the Lord. I'm a son of a pastor. Um, my, I'm one of a twin, one of nine children. My... Uh, birth has been prophesied Jesus appeared to my father when uh, six months prior to them knowing that they were um, pregnant um, Jesus said you'll have two uh, sons and he said give the firstborn the name Adam he will serve the nation of Israel and that is what my brother does today he works for Bridges for Peace for the past 14 years and he's a national director um in South Africa, um, a bridge between Israel and the church, and very well known in, in Israel, and, 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 and really is an advocate for the cause of Israel in our nation. Um, and 
God said to the second born called Solomon and he will serve the church and the world and um, my God, Jesus said write it down and he did and he sealed it in an envelope and he kept it six months later they discovered they were pregnant and he handed it to my mother he said open this the day you give birth and uh, 21st of March just after two that morning my brother Adam was born and I followed suit and tears rolled down my dad's cheeks because he did not know they did not know they were expecting twins except for what he knew from the Lord and uh, he said to my mother where is that envelope that I gave you and uh, later that day he brought it to the hospital and she opened it up and read it and was absolutely just astounded and in tears they waited until the cause of our lives have been set by the Lord before they actually told us the story from that point onwards they always repeated <laughs> you know remember Jesus spoke to me about you and I've had the privilege by the grace of the Lord to to really serve Jesus um, in amazing amazing places meeting amazing people seeing um, almost a million souls saved um, it is it is our, our goal to see like Mike said uh, heaven full and hell empty and that is why why um, we live that is why we breathe that is why God raised us up to be a carrier of the gospel. Paul writing in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God unto salvation. You so eloquently spoke, I wish I could just sit down and not touch what you shared today. That was so powerful. Um, um, and I think it was kind of almost enough for us to, to chew on. Um, but I just want to go a little deeper the, 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 the most powerful thing that you and I can have to do something is to have a reason. To have a motivation. To know the why. Not just the what, but the why. And so Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation. This is a man who wrote two-thirds of the, of, of the New Testament. This is a man who killed the people of the way. This is a man that was earmarked to be the next scholar in Israel. Studied under Gamaliel. He knew the Lord just like that. But they didn't have an encounter with Jesus. And out of that encounter, he says, because of that, I am not ashamed of this message, this good news of Jesus. For it is the power of God that I've encountered myself that saved my soul. And I have bare first-hand knowledge, the power to deliver and set free. I always wondered, because when I was teaching six points of this, five of this, seven keys to that, Where do I get my next message from? Growing up. And Paul would write, there's only one message that I have. I only preach Christ and Him crucified. 
And that was the totality of the revelation because he knew that inside of Jesus, if we are in him, that is where we have life. You take any man outside of Jesus, we are lost forever. He's the hope of our salvation. And he labors through revelation knowledge, not just information. Through all scripture, he speaks about the depth of the revelation of the mystery of God that was hidden for ages. And he reveals to us what was in the heart of God. He unpacks what was in the mind of God that he now delivers to us that Jesus spoke to him face to face in that one encounter. Then for three years back of the desert, Jesus appears to him and he teaches him by the rain of living word. He hasn't seen Jesus, hasn't met Jesus. But the revelation comes out of an encounter with him. And he says, this gospel is the power of God to save and to set free. Matthew 24, 14 says, it's not just the gospel, it's just the goodness of Jesus, but it's the gospel of the kingdom. Go and preach the kingdom. And so the gospel contains not just a proclamation, but there's a demonstration. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. There is power that God has availed for the human need and the human spirit and human misery to undo what the, the, the works of the devil. That is why Jesus came, Acts 10, 38, anointed to destroy the works of the devil. And so he says, Matthew 24, 14, the last sign that must be fulfilled. I'm just quickly laying foundation. Before the end comes, is that this gospel of the kingdom must be preached to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. Now notice it's the gospel of the kingdom. It is the first message that Jesus preached. Repent, change your mind, change your thinking. Align your thinking with what heaven is thinking. Change your mind for the kingdom, the dominion, the dominion of the king, the rule of the king, the government of the king is at hand. Jesus did not come. Jesus did not die uh, so that we can be saved and go to heaven. Jesus died so that he can bring heaven to earth. It's what he prayed. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let it invade the earth and invade every space. And so what we are talking about today and, and what we are hoping to, 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 to establish a, a, a around the world where we go is to establish a culture, a DNA within God's people. It's already there, but to awaken that, to know who you are and whose you are and what you've been called to do, what you carry, your identity. You're not supposed to be afraid of the devil. The truth of the matter is all of hell shudders because of who you are and because of Christ inside of you. If only you can get a glimpse of the reality of your true identity. And Jesus on the inside of you wants to stand up. He has not given you a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. And he wants us to bind our mind to the mind of Christ. And so that we can walk out and be what he has called us to be. And so he says the gospel 
of the kingdom must be preached to the ends of the earth. And so I want to, to just for a few moments, just go and look at the gospel not just as a message. It's more than a message. It's more than a sermon. It is more than an event, a crusade, an outreach. It's not just a lifestyle. And that is true. The gospel is so much more than that. In fact, it is the only thing as far as the earth is concerned and the human race is concerned. It's the only thing that is in the heart and mind of God. It's not just a message. It's a grandiose plan. The one scripture that moves me Revelations 13, 8, 1 Peter 5, uh, 1, 20 says this. That Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. Are you telling me that before the, the foundations of the earth were laid, before there was an Adam, before there was a sin problem and a fall, that God has purposed Jesus to be the lamb slain? Are you saying to me that before there was a problem that God already had a solution. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And that goes and is true for everything about you. It's the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come all wrapped up in the revelation of the great I am. He spans your, the history. I'm not even talking about the human race. He is before all things. First Colossians 1 says, And in Him all things consist. He's the beginning and He is the end and everything in between. You are totally covered. The gospel is more than just a great tract. It is the master plan of the Creator. And sometimes I think we compartmentalize so much that we lose perspective of the great picture. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is more than, consists more of, of, of those who are alive today. We are connected to spirits that have been made perfect, that are past. It reaches back to Abram. 
We are connected in the spirit to a family that is intergalactical. It is not just horizontal, reaching back to Adam. It is vertical. You were not birthed in the heart and in the mind of your parents. You were birthed and crafted in the mind and the heart of God. Jesus, Lamb, slain before the foundation of the earth. So when was the gospel preached? When did grace come? Did it come after the law? Whose idea was this the church and this whole salvation plan? Had it did it have anything to do with us? Or did it issue out of the riches? And that is what Paul the Apostle tries to labor through revelation meticulously. In fact, when he writes to the church of Ephesus, it's on the back of two years of night and day. Teaching, trying to communicate to them truth and revelation. The language that he used is so grandiose. It's so extravagant. Where he talks about the riches of the mercy of God. It had nothing to do with you. The only thing that it had to do with you where you came into play is that you are the object of his love. You're the object of, your, of his affection. There is nothing that emanated from you. There is nothing that came from you that he would desire you. All of this emanated, proceeded out of the riches of the grace and the mercy of God. So that his name can be praised. His glory can be exalted. His mercy can be extolled. His grace, His unmerited, undeserved favor can be communicated to a people who think God is angry with them. And I must do certain things in order to deserve it. No, ma'am, you don't understand, no, sir, that this thing began even before time began. It was birthed in eternity. So when we can reach back past my religious blocks, my religious prejudices, my religious training, and move from a man-centered doctrine to a Christ-centered revelation, where it's something that I'm not trying to become. It's something who I am. It is a river that is flowing on the inside of me based on a revelation of who he is. And now I am because he is, because I know he is. And I just begin to manifest who I am. 
If you are an apple tree, you will bear apples. Fig tree, figs. All that we have to do is remain abiding, connected with the vine. Out of that comes fruitfulness. So, I'm going to try and span very quickly from Genesis through to the coming of Jesus so that we can understand that we are dealing more than the four spiritual laws here. We are dealing with what is, it's the heartbeat of God. He wants a godly offspring. He wants his face, his image to look back at him. When he went to Adam, he said, Adam, where are you? It was not a geographical question. It was an identity question. Say, I don't see me in you anymore. Adam, where are you? What happened to you? And so if we see, this is not global perspective. This is heavenly perspective. I believe Jesus came as the perfect human being to show us how to live. In the kingdom, we do not transact from earth to heaven. We transact from heaven to earth. You need to understand it. And this is not a cliche. And this is not a a nice sounding proverb. Nothing of the church and of the kingdom and of God originates on the horizontal plane. Nada. Zero. We have to understand who we are. We have to understand how God has crafted and put this thing together. It is always from heaven to earth. The order is heaven, then earth. You would read it in the book, the book of Genesis, where we get our our, our name genes from, or generation from, beginnings. In the beginning, God created the earth and the heaven. No, the heavens and the earth, there's order. heaven first Jesus said you want to pray you want to transact with God you don't pray from a list and tell God what to do that makes you God prayer is not first speaking it is first listening He says, when you pray, pray this. Let your kingdom come. How can I pray that if I don't know what the kingdom is? I first have to hear. It's what Jesus said in John 5. I only do that which I hear and see the Father does. So when you pray, say, Our Father which art, lift up your eyes. 
in heaven. Pray from that place here. Let heaven invade the earth. Let whatever you are desiring, whatever it is that you are wanting, pray from that dimension because your life for the Christian, according to Colossians chapter 3, 1, your life is hidden in Christ. That's why he set us up in two dimensions. You're physically in the earth. But you are in the spirit seated with Christ in heavenly places. That you can transact not from your condition to your position, but from your position to your condition. That you bring heaven reality into earthly circumstance. That you don't consult on the horizontal plane. But that you seek his mind from this dimension. And it's from here that we speak and we create even as he is. Whatever it is that he says, we can bring it from that dimension by a word. Nothing enters the earth realm from the kingdom of God without a spoken word. And so it is all of this interweaves with evangelism. Because you transact from a different reality. You don't transact, trans oh, this is a Muslim and the, the, the mental block is Muslims are more difficult to lead to Jesus. Oh, this is a Hindu. Perhaps there's a separate gospel for the Hindus and then for the Muslims and then for the rich and then for the poor. No, I, Paul says, I, I, I am not ashamed of the gospel for he is the power of God unto salvation. Whether you're Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, it does not matter, atheist, devil worshiper. When the kingdom of God through the power of the gospel invades your soul, there is an awakening. Those who are in their spiritual graves, when they hear the voice of the living God, calling them like he called Lazarus, come forth. Like he said to Adam, where are you? There will be a quickening through the power of the gospel. And when you transact from that place of authority and revelation, knowing who you are, knowing the power that is in your mouth, life and death is there. You will speak forth. You will provoke them out of death into life. Shall we land the plane, Pastor? stick to my nose because that way I'm not gonna go into outer space <laughs> so very quickly I want to talk about creating a body for Adam that's the subject I want to talk about and talk from creating a body In order for you to understand where I'm going, I, 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 want to, I want to lay down three foundational principles. It's not just relevant to the message, but it's crucial to understand the prophetic picture of the message. The principles will, will enable you to understand the application that I'm sharing tonight. How what I'm sharing is applicable to, to the church, global. But more than that, 
you will understand how it's applicable to you as a member of the church, a member of this body. And that there rests upon you a divine mandate and responsibility. You and I can either contribute to the mobility of the body or to the paralysis of it. But it's as Mike says, it's so late on the clock of God that I believe that there is an infusion of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God is breathing upon the church like Jesus said at that wedding feast is saved the best for last. I think we have entered into that hour, into that time where God is going to do something miraculous. And all of us are invited we make a statement that, that the wine is not in the single grape, it is in the cluster. Meaning that, that, that once the grapes are crushed and that beautiful wine is made, Solomon grapes, Solomon cannot say, oh, there am I, and I cannot say, there am I. Because of that crushing, we in a certain sense have lost our identity in order for this beautiful wine to be released and the world can receive it. There's only one name, one message. It's Jesus. Once you understand the depth from which Paul crafts this message out of a revelation and it heats your spirit, the struggle will be over. So this will will if you understand the, the principles that are going to lay down, it's gonna it's gonna shed light on what I want to share. So before I go there, I would like to share two foundational scriptures. So if we can go to Romans chapter five, verse fourteen, please. Romans chapter five, verse fourteen. And I've, just for the sake of time, I'm gonna read. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, and here is the focus point of the scripture, who is a pattern or a type or a foreshadow or a print of him, speaking of Jesus, who is to come. This is principle number one. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses over those who did not sin by breaking command as did Adam who is a pattern or a type or a shadow or a print of him speaking of Jesus who is to come. First, First Corinthians 15 refers to him as the last Adam. Second scripture. Sorry, I want to read the NLT. Still everyone died from the time of Adam. It's still Romans 5.14. Even those who did not obey an explicit commandment as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. 
So just like I would stand here and let's say I'm casting a shadow to my right. If you start at the beginning of the shadow and you follow that shadow, it will bring you to the reality of me. The shadow does not have a life of its own. It cannot do anything outside of the reality of me. Whatever I do, the shadow has to follow suit. That is the truth of horizontal types and shadows. That's why when Moses, when he struck the rock twice, he was a picture, the rock was a picture of Christ. He did not enter the promised land because the rock was a picture of Jesus and Jesus was not supposed to die twice. He was only supposed to die once. And so the picture, the shadow was deviating from the reality, but that was the horizontal picture, the horizontal type and shadow. The higher reality for you and me is there is a heavenly to earth reality and shadow. just as Jesus is the image of God as he was the image of God in the earth God being the reality and he being a picture or representation I'm just going so that you can see where I'm going with this there are always God always creates everything twice always he creates it and finishes it in the spirit and then it is created or formed in the earth we create like this this building was completed twice it was conceived were you the originator of this building pastor it was conceived in the mind of somebody there was an empty space here they passed there they saw this building before there was nothing they built the building. They designed the building. They completed the building in their mind, in the invisible realm. Communicated that to the architect who wrote it in the word. Now, that building is being built here. It started to be built here. But before any groundbreaking took place, this building was already built in another dimension the builders did not invent the building I need to say this because it's, it's, it's important it's informative of where we are going if we can get this we will understand the, 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 the meaning of my yoke is easy and my burden is light we will understand the revelation of what is the rest of God So when the builders came, they did not invent this building. They built, according to the plan, what was already built in the invisible. And in that way, this building was built twice. It is how God operates. He builds and completes by design. He's the master architect. 
And then that pl those plans are transferred into the earth realm for the sons of man to execute. And so David writes out of Revelation, unless the Lord builds the house. So Adam is a picture of what I just said now. He's a picture of him who is to come. Second foundational scripture, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 to 7. Pastor, how much time can we, can we craft this? Okay. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image, not the reality of the things, can never with the same sacrifices... which they offer year after year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to offer, to be offered. For the worshippers once purified would have had no consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sins. And here it is. Therefore, when he, the last Adam, Jesus Christ, came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. It was never, ever part of what you ever wanted, God. Listen to me. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but... A body that you have prepared for me. Wait a minute. He is separating his identity, his spirit identity from a body. He's saying, I, spirit Jesus, Jesus in the spirit, when I came to earth, I stepped into a physical body that you have prepared for me. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I have come to do what? To do your will. It is, he's saying, when he walked into the synagogue and the book of Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah was given to him. What he is saying is what I just told you. I understand that my father builds everything twice. I am now asking where are the blueprints for my life? I am going to start to build in this dimension what has already been built in heaven. But my declaration is, I need a vehicle, so here is the body that you prepared for me. You gave it to me. It is not my own. But now, this body has taken captive the spirit it's been trapped in that body. 
and body and spirit has now been trapped as it were a slave to the plans and the purposes of that which you have prepared and that we have just read in Revelation 13, 18. Lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. It has been decided here in the annals of God's heart and mind. And then Jesus comes into the earth and he says, I have my life has been taken captive by your will that you've decreed before time began. And when I step, when I make landfall, I have one and only one desire. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. I'm a captive to your will. I'm a slave to your mind, to your heart, to your purpose. Your wish is my command. And he set a blueprint for living. Here is the body you have prepared for me. I have come to do your will. So those are the key foundation scriptures. Now I want to look at three foundation principles and then I'm going to try and speed this up as fast as I can. The first principle to understand this message and to understand your divine purpose. And we talk about soul winning. The reason why. It's the first foundation principle is Adam is the prophetic picture of Jesus. Like Jesus, Adam had no human father. God was his father. Like Jesus, Adam was sinless. He's a perfect prototype to foreshadow the one who is to come. Foundation principle number two. Adam is also a prophetic picture of God's plan of salvation for the human race. He carries, he embodies God's redemptive plan. Remember now, God's plan did not begin when he invaded earth. When Genesis 1 begins, that is not when God's plan begins. God's plan is way before time has begun. You need to understand that. In fact, many people say, oh, is the earth 6,000 years old? I believe in a 6,000-year creation. There's nowhere in the Bible that says the earth was created in six days. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It doesn't say when the beginning was. That was in eternity. It is only when God starts to refashion His world that he starts with time, that he introduces time to start to deal with the chaos and the darkness and the waste. And when he starts to release the word, when he takes from eternity the word to bring it into the dimension, you need to hear this. When he, he, he takes his plan and his purpose, Christ 
slain before the foundation of the earth. When he now brings him in this dimension, what does he do? He opens his mouth and he says, let there be light. And that is how Christ is breathed into the earth. He's spoken into this dimension. Later John 1 says, that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. In him was life and the life was the light of man. And so when he releases that word, he speaks into this dimension, his purpose and his plan. And so Adam is a picture of God's plan. Principle number three. Then I'm going to try and wrap this up. It's important to understand God's view of time. Psalm 90 verse 4 and 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 8. For God, he says, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. Perhaps we must wrap this up at the latest stage. But I want to say that. six days of creation is a prophetic picture of the first 6,000 years of God's redemptive plan. It is locked up. Genesis 1 contains God's entire plan of redemption. On what day was the body of Adam completed? On the sixth day. We are now in the year 5,779 from the beginning of time, from the first day. In a couple of days, it's going to be 5,780, almost 6,000 years of human history has passed. The sixth day is almost over. If Adam is a picture of Christ and his body was completed on the sixth day the six thousandth year then I submit to you that the body of Christ in the earth is entering the completion of its final phase and what happened after the sixth day that Adam woke up to was a Sabbath. Revelations 20 speaks of Jesus when he comes there will be a thousand year reign. Rest. One day of rest. The sixth day on God's clock is almost over. Jesus said, here is the body you prepared for me. I came to seek that. So I'm going to close. 
Jesus makes this statement. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Or his headship. Isaiah 9 says the government the kingdom that's why I referred to that the government will be where upon his shoulders where is the shoulders located it's located in the body the church the body of Christ is the only beings in the earth the only means by which the kingdom of God can be proclaimed in the earth foxes have holes birds of the air have nests but I've come into the earth as the head looking for a body a place to lay my government what is he talking about if Jesus is a type of Adam let's go back there what he said also I came to seek and save that which was lost what was lost in the garden? Adam lost his body. What do I mean by that? When Adam was created, he was created male and female spirit. God always creates twice. He was a spirit being. Then God forms one body he takes his fingers, he puts it into the clay and squeezes a form, a house for this being called Adam. He takes him and he puts it into a body. And when Adam wakes up, Adam and Eve is inside one physical body. But in order now to reproduce the image of God in the earth, he has to form a physical body, pull Eve outside of Adam, make a physical body. But immediately when that happens, he makes a statement. For this cause will a man leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become. They will come back to the original identity as it is in the spirit. One being with Adam as the head and Eve as the body in the spirit. So, when Eve listened to the serpent, what did she do? She beheaded, decapitated in the spirit her body from her head and brought her body under the headship of a snake. And so the government was lost. A body in the spirit floating around without the head. Later Paul writes, he says, some have lost connection with the head. Their God is their belly. Same what Eve did. It was the a food, it was a meal that cheated us out of destiny. But it was the meal, the bread of life that brought us back. But see this. I want to close so that you can see the big picture. So what happened in the Garden of Eden was Adam lost his body. The head lost his body. 
So Jesus comes into the earth. He says, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has come to seek a body again. A bride to lay his headship on. 